0: So we've had this intense heat wave this past week, so travel with me, if you will, back some years ago to a time when it was cooler. Do you remember where you were in February of 2010? Anybody remember? Remember? What happened in February of 2010? All right, in case you weren't here, let me explain. That is when we received two monstrous back-to-back snowstorms dumping between 3 and 4 feet of snow, I think, in in mid-February. I was in Iowa visiting my mother who had surgery and somehow I got wind of these storms coming up and I immediately changed my travel plans to get back here and I snuck in just in the nick of time, for which I was very, very thankful. And on the plane trip back, I was reading a book and I wish I could find that book now because I loaned it out to somebody and I never got it back. So if you are that person, I'd like to have my book back. The book was, uh, is The Great Emergence by Phyllis Tickle. And she is uh, founding editor of the religion department of Publishers Weekly. She is a highly respected authority and popular speaker on religion in America today. And in the book, The Great Emergence, Phyllis Tickle observes that about every 500 years, things shift and major transformation happens within the life of the Christian church. For example, 500 years ago was the, there it is, the great reformation which we're celebrating this very year uh, through uh, Reformation 500. 500 years before that was the great schism when the Eastern and the Western churches split in 1054 A.D. And 500 years before that was Gregory the Great, who was the Roman pontiff who held life together in the West, both in matters of faith and civilization when the Roman Empire crumbled and dissolved. And 500 years before that was the great deliverance with the birth, life, death and resurrection of Jesus the son of god these 500 year epochs uh, as uh, noted by Phyllis Tickle they go back even farther into old testament history but you'll need to read the book to uh, to get in on that you may not agree with everything she has to say i didn't either but her point is well taken namely we are at this very time 500 years after the Reformation, on the cusp of a great shift and a major transformation in the life of the church, the great emergence. What exactly this is, we don't know yet, because we're living through it right now. And there is general agreement that things indeed are shifting rapidly all around us, including the church. All of this makes for high anxiety and great concern on the part of people. But there's a word of hope from the author in this regard. History shows that the church does not dissolve and go away. But through all of these shifts and transformations, the church is in fact renewed and strengthened to meet emerging challenges. What cannot and must not change through all of these shifts and transformations is the central truth of our Christian faith, namely, that we are made righteous and acceptable before God, not through our own efforts, but through the grace of God in Jesus Christ alone. Our summer preaching series on the Augsburg Confession continues today as we focus on justification, righteousness before God. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Article four of the Augsburg Confession, justification has been called the article on which the church stands or falls. What does that mean? It means that when the people of Christ hold fast to the saving truth that we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, made known in Holy Scripture alone, that this is God's gift, not because of our works or efforts or anything that we may do, then we are standing on the solid rock of biblical truth. But if the people of Christ lose sight of how we are made righteous and acceptable to God and somehow veer off course and come to rely on our efforts, then we're in grave danger of losing what it means to be Christian. It is that important. Article four states this, It is also taught among us that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God by our own merits, works, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God by grace, for Christ's sake. Through faith, when we believe that Christ suffered for us and that for His sake our sin is forgiven and righteousness and eternal life are given to us, for God will regard and reckon this faith as righteousness. Grace. That is the central, pivotal truth of the Christian gospel. It's an acronym as well, GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. It is central to who we are. It's the bedrock of our faith. This gets challenged again and again and again, within and without the church. By human nature, we are prone to think that We're justified based on what we do. What we do, it's the oldest religion in the world. It's alive and well today as well. And this belief system in whatever form it may take holds that we make ourselves acceptable and pleasing to God. By what we do, it's rooted in sinful pride that we can somehow, some way, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and claw our way into heaven where God simply must accept us because we've tried so hard. Here's the thing. How do you know when you've tried hard enough? How do you know when you've done enough? How do you know if you've been good enough to make God love you? There's this nagging doubt in the back of our mind that will not go away and that speaks to us saying, are you sure? How do you know? And that will give us no peace because we will never know for certain. We're left hanging, wondering, worrying especially when we die. My friends, in Jesus, we can know for certain where we stand with God. We don't need to be left hanging because Jesus was the one who was left hanging for us, hanging on the tree of the cross for you and for me, for the sins of the world. There should have been each and every one of us hanging on that cross to pay the price of our own sin and disobedience. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that, my friends, is gospel. It is grace. It is good news. You see, Jesus not only lived that life of perfect obedience to the Father's will and to fulfill all of the laws commanded that we could never do, Jesus also died the death we rightly deserved because of our sin and disobedience. And now all that Jesus has done, that life of perfect obedience, that saving death upon the cross, Jesus now gives to you and to me and to all who trust in him. It's a gift we do not deserve, but God graciously gives it for Jesus' sake. So this means we don't have to worry. We need not wonder where we stand with God or what happens when we die. In Jesus, our future is secure. And we have the certainty of everlasting life In him. And that is why Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession is so very important. It holds forth the saving truth of how we are made righteous before God. This gift is given through the preaching and teaching of God's word. It comes to us in the cleansing waters of holy baptism and we receive the assurance of this here in the body and blood of Christ under forms of bread and wine here at the Lord's table. And all of these Christ comes to assure us that he has paid the price of our salvation. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, in a place called Iowa, I was a confirmation student. <clears throat> and now lo and behold, I am teaching confirmation. I think about that and I think about what my own confirmation pastor, the sainted Reverend E.H. Streufert, said about all this. He shared with us, That righteousness before God, justification, means that for Jesus' sake, God now sees me just as if I'd never sinned. A little word trick there, but it gets the point across. I am justified through Jesus and in Jesus, God now sees me just as if I'd never sinned sinned. I've always remembered that and held on to it. In the gospel lesson for today, as noted in the children's message, Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the weeds. So what's the connection between this and the gift of our own righteousness in Jesus? The dilemma is that God's children, who are declared righteous for Jesus' sake, live side by side with evil in the world. And at times, it gets to be too much. God's children cry out to him for deliverance. Maybe you know what that's like in your own life. Maybe you've had a time with particular circumstances or particular people who sorely tested you so much that you just cried out to God, take me out of this, please. But God in his wisdom may not do that. Frustrated and perplexed, we then ask, but why? Let's go back to that parable of Jesus. There's nothing really more beautiful than a field of golden ripe wheat ready to be harvested. But it's not until that field of wheat is ready for harvest changing from an immature green color to a golden mature color. It's only then that you see the weeds clearly. So if you rush in to pull up or, or cut down the weeds, you run the risk of trampling the wheat and pulling up and cutting down the very thing you're trying to grow, the wheat. The weeds Jesus refers to in the gospel lesson are likely something called darnell, a somewhat poisonous weed that looks very much like wheat when they first start growing. And because of this, it's hard to tell the two apart, and the roots of the plant intertwine with one another, which is why the landowner says what he does. His hired hands come busting in, and they say, do you want us to go out and rip out all the weeds? And he wisely says, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat, that precious wheat into my barn. The Lord reminds us that even when we see multitudinous weeds springing up all around us, we are not to worry, for God himself will take care of this in his own good time. And though those weeds continue to grow, they flourish, crowding out that precious wheat. All is not lost. God's plan and his loving purpose are not thwarted. When the day of harvest comes, Christ's wisdom will be revealed. The final judgment is reserved for the final day. And this belongs to God and not to us. God is the one who will separate the wheat from the weeds on that final day. Until then, Let us take heart that no matter what may happen in this life, we stand justified before God for Jesus' sake, clothed in the robe of Christ's own righteousness and sealed with his very blood. So be at peace. Our lives and our future are secure in the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. Amen.